What's up, everybody? This is Mr. Stud Tackler, Mr. 205 Live, Bryson Scott, and you're listening to the J&K Podcast. Exhausted, barely breathing, holding on to what I believe in. No matter what, you never take that from me. The J&K Podcast is brought to you by CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Collar and Elbow was founded on the traditional values of professional wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product intended to connect with people on an emotional level. A symbiotic relationship where one cannot flourish without the other. We strive to create a product that embodies our passion for professional wrestling expressed through street fashion. Make sure to use promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout and receive yourself a sweet 10% off your entire order from CollarAndElbowBrand.com. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel here back on the JNK Podcast. What's up, guys? Of course, brought to you by the GrillPosition.com and proud part of the Roar Network. Yes, we are. All right, Carl, another week has come and gone again here. We have finally, finally experienced All In. We have. September 1st came and it went and All In happened and oh my God. Right. So before we go through and break down All In, the actual matches itself and everything, we'll go through the you know all the cool moments and everything that happened, which is pretty much all of it. But... We're going to play our, our sound clip here, and I'm going to show you guys what we're going we're gonna to hear, how to properly hype and promote an event. Mm-hmm. The NWA World Heavyweight Championship will be on the line. Cody, it is customary to hear from the challenger First, before we head to that big event. Let's let's do a little sensory exercise, me and all of you. Let's all take a deep breath. You ready? Everybody feel better? One more deep breath. Here we go. And in. You know what that is, right? That's the deep breath before the plunge. They say that victory belongs to the persevering. No one is more persevering than the wrestling fan. The wrestling fan that has not seen real change in professional wrestling since 2001. I mean real change. I mean changing the wrestling economy, changing the wrestling arena business, going from undesirable to undeniable, going all in. 
And what? What is All In? It's the biggest self-funded, self-promoted, biggest damn event of my entire life. My wife, she's backstage. She didn't want to come out here. Brandy, can you hear me? You've got to come out here. At least to the stage. So there you go. That's a little taste of how you promote and how you get the crowd going for an anticipation to a huge show. This is, as Cody said, the biggest self-funded show that has happened, I would say, since WrestleMania 1. This has been a huge success and experience, and I am so happy that things went as well as they did, and this has turned out to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even like you said, you know, very well put, it really did feel like this was independent wrestling's WrestleMania one. It totally had that feel to it. It, it, it definitely did. And I mean, WrestleMania one was, so it was just a dream. It was something that was tried. It was something that didn't know if it was going to succeed or not. I'm sure if you're a wrestling fan and you're listening to us right now that you have seen, you know, the history of WrestleMania, the DVD, you know, collection that's been put out and stuff like that. And you've mm-hmm. been able to experience a little bit firsthand from Vince McMahon himself, uh, his take and his look at the beginnings of WrestleMania this is just another extension and branch from that. This is Cody, or as others may know him, Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Cody, don't call me Rhodes. Don't, don't call me Rhodes. <laughs> That's right. But Cody has gone out and essentially become like a Vince McMahon in his own right. You know, And even during that promo that we played, if you want to go and check that out, just type in... Cody wrote, just type Cody and Nick Aldis, you know, before all in or promo before all in, and you'll, you'll be able to find that. And you even see, you know, and, and Nick Aldis is essentially the heel in this scenario here, pretty much. And even he, you can tell just by the expression on his face during this happening, even he was like, yeah, bravo. His face was lit up. There were times when the crowd was chanting that he was, he was just grinning ear to ear because he knew, he knew. He knew exactly what was going to be happening at this event tonight. He knew what was going to transpire and how it was going to turn out. He he knew. He knew that it was going to be a success. And going along with that, as successful as we were all hoping and kind of anticipating this to be, they exceeded those expectations even more so. 100% I think they did. I mean, I, I went into this with an open mind mm-hmm. with kind of like, uh, all right, you know, it's self-funded, not sure how it's going to turn out, not sure, you know, what's going to, what's the stage going to look like? What's, yeah. you know, how's the ring going to look? How's, you know, all of this different stuff going to going to yeah. be? Uh, but then to see when it happened, the stage, 
Yeah. And to see the, the, the screens that were out there and to see, you know, the little bit of, uh, you know, I, I believe that there was some pyro at one yep, point bit, yep. and just the setup of everything there really shows how collectively different promotions coming together can create one amazing super show. Yeah, absolutely. It didn't feel, you know, we got to go into this realizing that this isn't representing a single promotion. Like if you were to just kind of stumble upon a video of all in happening, you would think, okay, well, what's the company putting this on? This is a a collaborative effort between impact wrestling ring of honor, new Japan and, and and several others, you know, and even, you know, almost technically a WWE talent in Madison Rain. She had basically just finished up doing the Mae Young Classic and, and involved in this event. You know, yeah. essentially a W, essentially almost a WWE talent competing in that. You know, Rey Mysterio uh, possibly looking at coming back very soon. So you know, there was representation pretty much from the entire industry happening there. And there was another name that was there. We're not going to mention that name just yet, but another WWE talent, mm. somebody who is probably still on. WWE payroll at this time decided to show up at All In. That name coming up soon. You guys will hear who that was. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, we're going to go through I, a I few I'm, different things here first I think and I know what you're uh, talking about. then we'll then we'll let everybody know who that person is. So. Yeah, we'll go through uh, some of the matches and the highlights. Uh, Briscoe's and SoCal Uncensored, you know, part of that uh, pre-show along with the uh, the Battle Royal. Yes. Which I was expecting to be on the main card, but they moved to the pre-show where they were calling Zero Hour on WGN. Yeah, the Zero Hour over the budget battle royal saw a number of different names from different promotions all coming together with one collective goal. And that goal was to have an opportunity to face Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship belt. Yeah, and that uh, that battle royal. You saw some interesting uh, stuff in there, you know, and oh, some, yeah. some talent, you know, ones that, that we even had the pleasure to talk to ourselves and uh, some unexpected ones as well. We had Tommy Dreamer involved in that, yep. you know, just it was, you know, the the battle royal done properly. I'll, yeah. I'll say, you know, you didn't have like, you know, ones that you were just, you know, like Mark, uh, Marco Stunt, like a tiny little guy. Like he, he was like, he was a spark plug in that match and yep. he wasn't just somebody used to be like the first one eliminated. Like it, it, it felt... Like it just kind of happened organically, and it wasn't like okay, so we know somebody's going to get only at this point, and so on and so on and so forth. Yeah, it, it it didn't feel as though like they had a, any time limit to it, and that it was very constructive in to the point, like Joe says, where you're going to have okay, so we know that this person goes first, and that person goes second, and we need to make sure that we stay within these times and and stuff like it didn't feel like that at all. I'm sure it probably was mm-hmm. because that's good booking, but. It didn't feel that way. It felt very, like you said, kind of organic. And it just all kind of flowed together and was just so well done. Yeah. And an unexpected winner of this thing, which, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, if you pay attention to Ring of Honor television and, and whatnot, Flip Gordon has been somebody who's been, it, it, it's like this underdog kind of story. It was like book flip was the the, the whole shtick there. And, you know, like No matter what he, he could do, it was like, Flip couldn't get booked into all in. He kept pushing and pushing and pushing it, and then show up as showed up as a surprise and took the whole thing. The extra bonus there, empty or uh, getting rid of Bully Ray to win. 
Yeah, that was very, very interesting to see. That was yeah. that was unexpected. One hundred percent, it was just a total shock going into that. You take a look at at Flip Gordon. You take a look at Bully Ray and the two of them, and you're going, "Yeah, it's done. Flip's done. He's not. He's not going to be there. He's not going to be on the main show. It's just yeah. you know over with. You know." But then for him to eliminate Bully Ray, and it, it was like, "Holy jumping! This is amazing." They've already on the pre-show started things off perfectly they even had as random as as it was it was still pretty cool road warrior animal showing, yeah. up, showing up on a motorcycle at this thing yeah right so it just uh, the pre-show i think it, it did a good job to uh you know to, to draw some people in you know well uh, you know for next week's episode I'll, I'll see if i can somewhere find the pay-per-view numbers because i'm really really curious i mentioned this on the previous episode to see what pay-per-view buys would be like because we know when it comes to the WWE aspect of things, pay-per-view buys are kind of poopy, for, yep. for lack of a better term, <laughs> because of the, and, and largely because of the network. There's no real reason for people to get the pay-per-view when the network is nine ninety a month, and yeah. you get the pay-per-view on top of that included with that. So I'm very, very curious to see what pay-per-view buys were like for this thing. Definitely. And I know that our friends over at the gorillaposition.com are very interested in that as well. So hopefully soon one of us at some point can be able to get access to those numbers and fig- mm. figure it out and find it out and uh, collaborate together and hopefully be able to bring you guys on our next podcast yeah. that number. So the, the match, and this, it was very much a surprise for me. Because uh, if you go back to last week's episode, I had kind of predicted that the current jerker would be the women's match. Yes. And I know over at um, our colleagues over at the Hitting the Marks Wrestling Podcast, they had said that Joey Janela and Hangman were going to be the current jerker. Yep. But what they ended up going with, and, and very interesting booking, and this is very much in the old school mindset. <laughs> yeah. We started with MJF facing Matt Cross, which is a very interesting match, but very, a very new talent and a very so much experienced talent in Matt Cross. Yeah, Matt Cross, like 20 years he's been yeah. going <laughs> in the business uh, and an amazing talent there. The two of them surprisingly worked so well together that it really honestly set the tone for the entire show. I can't can't say anything bad about that match. Everything in there was just a very good showing. Yep. It's the proper way in that old school wrestling mentality to to start with. You know, and not to take anything away from both guys, but you start... And build to a kind of a crescendo, and they very much did that that with this event in, in multiple places. As we go through, you'll kind of see what we mean. You know, next we had a, honestly very surprising because they <laughs> didn't approach it from the angle that I know you were anticipating. You were anticipating kind of like a funny kind of a comedic thing. They didn't go that direction at all. They had a full on wrestling match, and Stephen Amell, I will say, for a guy who is an actor and not a full on wrestler. He impressed me. We had Stephen Amell facing Christopher Daniels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Stephen Amell. This is his third pro wrestling <laughs> match. He has been in two other professional wrestling matches. Both of those were tag team matches. Yep. He came out as co-victor, I guess you could say, yep. in both of those tag team matches. So coming into this with Christopher Daniels in a one-on-one match, Stephen Amell, the actor, 
The man who plays Arrow on TV <laughs> has been undefeated in the wrestling business. It's crazy when you think about it. We came into this match expecting a little bit. I know, like Joe said, myself, I was kind of expecting a little bit more of a comedic type of, you know, role coming into this. And I was very, very impressed with how Stephen Amell went in there, wrestled. I mean, you guys, if you haven't seen All In, you really have to. (laughs) Stephen Amell, Stephen Amell did a coast to coast. If you don't know what that term means, he was on one side of the ring on the top of the ropes on the top turnbuckle and he jumped from that side right over to the other side of the ring and kicked christopher daniels in the face (laughs) that's impressive even a table uh, spot on the outside yeah and at the end of the match really got if you really pay attention there you got some validation there and daniels really looked at him did the right index finger crazy sign Dude, you're crazy, but that was incredible. And yeah. you know, we're going to climb up the turnbuckle, and you go up on there too. And it was very much, he had validated there by a veteran in the yes. business. That To me, that, that that's, a, that's a pretty big deal. Because I would imagine I have not met or talked to Christopher Daniels uh, personally myself, but he seems like the type that's not easily impressed. Yeah. And it looked like he was impressed there. I mean, the two of them like shook hands after the match. Like it was a very much so a show of respect Mm -hmm. between the two of them. And then for, I mean, Stephen Amell was kind of stepping back a little bit and kind of being like, no, 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 go. You, 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 you won the match. Christopher Daniels won that match. So Stephen Amell's like, no, no, no. Like you, you go up to the ropes, you, you do that. And Christopher Daniels just kept like looking at him and, and, and like motioning, go, go. Go up to the, uh, get up on the ropes with you me. You deserve it. You deserve it. Get up on the ropes with me. This yeah. is us, right? So just a huge show of, of, of emotion and respect coming from yeah. Christopher Daniels to Stephen Amell. Yeah, very impressive. And I went into that particular match, expectations very, very low and was pleasantly surprised. I was impressed to see that. And I will say that having that happen in another company especially WWE I would guarantee you that it would that outcome would have, it wouldn't have happened that way it would not have and um, so I'm very glad that this match happened outside of the WWE I'll me just too put it that way now next up another this can be an ongoing theme with this there's not going to be any of these matches we're going to be like okay so this happened and on to the next one this was another match that was extremely well done and this was the women's four-way match Tessa Blanchard Chelsea Green Madison Rain and Britt Baker and for, for me, I mean, not to take it away from any of the girls in this match, but for me, the real standout was Chelsea Green in this match, a Canadian wrestler. Yep. And with that split personality gimmick and, and her moveset and what she did in that match, incredible. Definitely Amazing. it was. Chelsea Green has, has been uh, doing this gimmick uh, in Impact Wrestling for, yep. for a, a little bit of time now, and it just seems like... At all in, she really went above mm-hmm. and beyond with this gimmick. She came out in an outfit that that was in like two halves. One half was like uh, you know the angel on the shoulder, and the other half was like the devil on the shoulder yeah. kind of kind of feel to it. And she really played into that that role where you could see at the very beginning of 
everything going on before the match really even started. You had, you know, Tessa Blanchard taking out, I believe it was Madison Rain, taking Madison Rain out to the outside, just tossing her. And then you see Chelsea kind of going up to uh, uh, Tessa Blanchard and like just screaming in her face and Tessa Blanchard backs up. I mean... I've never seen that. Tessa Blanchard yeah. is is a second generation star, and she was backing up from the split personality, devil on the shoulder yeah. side of Chelsea Green. Like it was just she she did so phenomenally, and I'm so happy that she, all four of them, yeah. all four of them did amazing in this match. And I mean, I kind of predicted, I kind of figured, you know, the winner of this um because there's really been a big push for uh for her um tessa blanchard won she actually won uh over um chelsea green i'm okay with that i really am tessa came out with uh with with her dad yep and with uh, Magnum TA, like the two of them were out there and several times it was go back and forth and give a hug and, and, you know, like different stuff like that. Just, it was amazing to see that star power with her coming out. And then, I mean, Madison rain, she's Madison rain. Like she's got her own star power behind her right there. Britt Baker. She's, an amazing talent in herself, not very well known at this time, but I'm pretty sure that from this event, this has now pushed her to a new level. Yeah. And seeing some of the moves, I mean, Chelsea Green did a uh, Canadian destroyer as good, if not better than PD Williams did. Yep. And finishing the ha- a hammerlock DDT to actually win that match. And we saw some moves pulled off in this women's match that you typically don't see. And they weren't, executed poorly they were executed to perfection in my opinion they all did well and at the end of the match all four of them essentially breaking kayfabe and all four of them embracing into, into the center of the ring and i'm perfectly fine with it considering the moment there yes that's right so very very well done can't speak any uh can't speak more highly about that match it was just it was incredible and coming up after the next match i mean this really the, this is the, N- the the NWA title match with Cody and Nick, all right? Now, this very, very much had that old-school NWA title match feel to it. Yeah. They did this the right way, this match. Who was the referee for this match? You had Earl Hebner. Really? Yes. <laughs> like, that's how yeah. amazing this entire thing was and how they really brought back the the old school feel of professional wrestling to this match. (laughs) It was just phenomenal. And I will challenge every wrestling fan out there to watch that match. And when the end happens, when, when Cody gets handed that belt, I challenge every true wrestling fan out there to watch that moment and not almost get a tear in your eye to watch Cody Rhodes win the same title as his father. To the best of my knowledge, going through the history books, that is the first time that a father and son have held the same, have held the NWA world title. I believe you are correct. So even even with the, the blonde hair, Cody having the blonde hair, it, it was it was like watching a young Dusty Rhodes win the NWA title. <laughs> yeah. it was a, as, as a wrest, as a true wrestling fan for the majority of my life, that, that moment was something special, especially if you were a Dusty Rhodes fan. I was fine with either 
person can winning that match if Nick Aldis would have continued to hold that belt. I know that Nick had kind of taken a step back from the world of professional wrestling for a little bit and really kind of didn't know what he wanted to do, where he was going to go, but then really give a drive and a push to get back into the business. And then he did. And then he won that NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. And now that he's lost the belt... I just recently saw a, uh, a Facebook post that he had put out and he had said, I can't let this get me down. I'm going back home, back to the drawing board, mm-hmm. and I'm going to win back my NWA World's Heavyweight Championship belt. Because he really did help, you know, along with Billy Corgan and whatnot, um, putting the NWA back on the map. It was never really gone. You know, it, it's been quietly still, you know, going about their business and still getting some notice. But he really did help put that title back into awareness again, you know, for, you know, your wrestling fan out there. Because I guess it's not really gone. But now this, especially this moment here, has really brought it back to the forefront again. It's brought it amazingly back to the forefront and brought prestige back to the 10 pounds of gold. If you guys aren't aware, you can actually go on to YouTube and you can uh, take a look at NWA's YouTube page Mm -hmm. and they've been doing an entire series for the 10 pounds of gold. And it's been just a, an amazing collaboration between, um, you know, Nick Aldis having that belt and with Billy Corgan. Yes, I said Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins. He is yeah. essentially owner of the NWA now. And this was was his brainchild. And he decided, you know, we're going to put this out there. What is one of the biggest social medias out there right now? YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's where people go for videos. Go and check out the 10 Pounds of Gold series on the NWA's YouTube page just to kind of get a little bit more of a feel as to how prestigious that belt is and how it's really come full circle from back in the forties to today. Mm-hmm. Now, next up we had probably one of the more, how can I describe this match? I'm going to say probably one of the more kind of nutty type of <laughs> <laughs> expression that, you know, that's almost kind of a pun there. Uh, you'll see what I'm getting at here shortly. We had Hangman Page against Joy Janela in a Chicago street fight, considering they were in Chicago. And this is just two guys just literally, this was a, it's a Chicago street fight, and it was just literally two guys, you know, basically pretty much every kind of extreme spot that you can imagine was kind of hit in this match. It definitely was. And I don't, I don't believe that anybody got cut open. No, I don't believe that in this match that there was any, any, any blood that happened at all, which I was happy with. Mm -hmm. You don't need to go out there and have a Chicago street fight and just bloody each other up. These two went out there and put on such an amazing match that they didn't need to have any type of cut open or Mm -hmm. blood or anything like that happen in this match. The two of them just put on simply an amazing street fight. And after Paige winning the match, lights go dark, almost kind of Undertaker style. Yep. And then... In a druid kind of fashion, I'm I'm picking my words carefully here, considering the the subject matter here. We have, I forget how many, but we had basically a small group of inflatable penises show up on the stage. 
Yes. Coming out, Undertaker, Druid style. <laughs> yes. And then a very much 70s porno kind of sounding music comes on, and out comes Joey Ryan. Yes. Yeah, so to give you <laughs> you guys, uh, obviously, you might need a little bit of context to that. Um, the Young Bucks and the entire Bullet Club essentially have been doing another YouTube series yep. called Being the Elite. Mm-hmm. And within that, Joey Ryan has made some appearances and stuff like that. And those of you who don't know who Joey, Joey Ryan is, no. Google him because know. <laughs> we're not going to talk about, you know, the stuff that he does. We have before, but we're not going to get into that today. Yep. Look up Joey Ryan if you want to know who he is. Yep. But Joey Ryan has showed up on the uh, Being the Elite YouTube show and Joey Ryan, as well as hangman page have kind of had a little bit of a feud going on mm-hmm. on that show. So a few weeks back, it kind of, kind of culminated to, uh, you know, a scene in, in, in the YouTube show where hangman page kind of bludgeons Joey Ryan with a telephone, yep. an old school telephone mm-hmm. from, a uh, like a motel room yeah and then we just kind of see joey ryan laying on the bed the phone's there the phone's you know got blood on it and joey ryan's all bloody and uh you know the word was that uh adam page killed joey ryan essentially is what it boiled down to so this year was a culmination to all of that and we had (laughs) some inflatable phalluses show up on stage joey ryan comes out goes in between all of these phalluses into the ring, confronts Hangman Page, just adding a little bit more fuel to that fire. The expression on Page's face when Joey <laughs> actually gets into the ring, it's like I've never seen somebody like stand like shocked with their mouth open for that period, amount of time. I think the best way that I can describe <laughs> the Adam Page face oh. that he had on was Jim Carrey from The Mask. Mm, yep. When... They do that animatronic, whatever CG on there, and the eyes just bug out of <laughs> Jim Carrey when he's got that mask on. Yep. Same thing. You just like the lights would would go. The lights were dimmed, right? And you would just see kind of light shining past him once, past Adam Page once in a while, yep. and you would just see these huge white eyes that are just in shock and awe. His mouth is open <laughs> for like. Five minutes, just continuous. And it was so well done, so good to see. Am I upset about there being penises on stage? No. No. Because it worked. Yeah. Yeah. We were outside of the WWE context. So, you know, and, you know, yeah, I was perfectly fine with it. It definitely fit with the moment and added to, uh, you know, the added to that whole thing. So I, I, I'm perfectly cool with it. Now, next up, we had the winner of the Over the Budget Battle Royal. Yes. Still, again, that's an awesome name. Flip Gordon taking on Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor Championship. So before we oh. see all of this happening, right. we, we get a little video, but not a video package, but we get a little backstage peek and we see Jay Lethal making his way to the ring. And then all of a sudden, what we see is a pair of glasses just from a hand kind of come out and then you see Jay lethal kind of being, you know, and then he takes the glasses, takes the sunglasses. And then you see this hand come and slap Jay lethal on the back. (laughs) And then what happens is we see Jay lethal come out to the ring 
not as Jay Lethal. Nope. But back to his black machismo gimmick <laughs> coming out to the same theme music that was used essentially the same there was a little bit of variation to it yep. but the same theme music as used by the macho man randy <laughs> savage yep. it was so awesome to see that and he kept that black machismo gimmick yep. throughout the entire match now for those of you wondering who handed him the glasses it was none other than the brother of the macho man mr lanny poffo that's right. Lanny Poffo wow. was there as well. Wow. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. Lanny Poffo actually allowed Jay Lethal to use and wear one of the ring jackets that was the Macho Man Randy Savages from an appearance and a show that he did on WCW pay-per-view. Amazing. Yeah. I mean... Uh yeah, that's about all I can say. You know, like I said, you know, this is the, the running theme throughout these uh, all these matches. No disappointments, for, at least personally for myself. In this match, we saw a lot of different stuff happen. It was just uh, work between the two of them, just very back and forth. Very good to see the two of them were just so meshed and working so well together. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the end, we still have our Ring of Honor champion in Jay Lethal as he executed the lethal injection onto Gordon during the match. Um, after the match, the two of them, again, following suits with how every other match has really gone. We're seeing a show of respect between the two competitors, and we see that between Black Machismo or Jay Lethal and Flip Gordon, the two of them shake hands in the ring. Yep. But then what happens, Joe? Oh, boy. Uh, Bully Ray uh, comes out and attacks both of them. And then Cole Cabana comes out, and they all three of them put Bully Ray through a table. Wow. Yeah. So that, that's clearly, you know, the storyline is clearly not done with the, these guys. There, there's there's going to be some more. So if you're a Ring of Honor fan, stay tuned for some more good uh, feuding between all those guys. I think. That's right. So next up we had, there, there was there was a scary spot in this match. We'll, we'll kind of get to that. We had Kenny Omega versus Pentagon Jr. And I, all, all I'll say is that one particular move that they did was like a, basically like a small package pile driver on the apron. That was one of the scarier spots I've seen in a long time. And I'm yeah. just glad that, you know, especially Kenny, but it's also dangerous for the other guy. That uh, he came out of that relatively unscathed because that looked very, very, very dangerous. One hundred percent, it did, and I mean, it's it's it blurred the lines. I don't even want to say it's difficult, but it blurred the lines mm -hmm. between reality and pro wrestling for me, at least. It it, it really did. And I'm looking at this, going, I know the two of them have worked together. I know the two of them know each other's styles. I know the two of them really can put on a good match with whoever they're, they're, they're in the ring with mm -hmm. to see that was, was a very huge shock and going, um, I don't know if he legit hurt him or not right now, but all in all this again, going with the same trend, an amazing match between the two of them. But that's not it with this match. Oh, no. There's more. Because similar to with some of these other matches of the night, 
after this match happens, the lights go out. Yes. For a significant amount of time. Yeah, it was a while. To where I'm thinking, okay, so this is an independent show, and this is where the, oh, we messed up moment. Yep. We forgot to pay the bill or something so like that. And the lights come back on. And then somebody looking like Pentagon Jr. is standing in the ring. That's right. And then delivers a code breaker because this isn't Pentagon Jr. This is Chris Jericho. The guy who said that he was above being on the all-in show Mm -hmm. decides to make his presence known by dressing exactly like Pentagon Jr. coming into the ring after the lights come back on. He is standing there, delivers the code breaker, reveals himself, beats down Kenny Omega for a little bit, and then he goes over top of him and says, see you on the Jericho Cruise. (laughs) Right. Just another little, I've always talked about on the podcast that we've done. I've always talked about those little things. Mm -hmm. This was another one of those little things. Jericho says, I am above showing up on this show. (laughs) I don't have to show up there. I don't need a match on there. I don't have to do anything having to do with all in, but shows up anyways, Mm -hmm. comes in, does something totally unexpected. And then is able to keep that feud and that emotion going now towards another match that the two of them are going to have at the Jericho Cruise. So well done. The little things. What's even more kind of uh, interesting about this too is that, now I'll have to look into it and I'll update you on the next episode, that either right before the match or right after, he actually had a show to do with Fozzie in the, in the area. So the, the timing was very, very close to enough to where we, we kind of all thought, you know, even if it was possible, he wouldn't have enough time to. It was after. And so it was after. So he yeah. was, um, yeah, he was able to to squeeze that in. And that just made it more kind of unbelievable. The fact that it was like a get in, get out. Yeah, that, well, that's exactly what it was. It was like so, he was he was there. Yeah. He went in. He did his spot. He called out Kenny Omega again for the Jericho Cruise, and then he like hopped a plane, went to this concert, got on stage, was still in face paint, mm-hmm. and did the entire concert. The entire Fozzie concert was done yep. with Chris Jericho in face paint, and. We wouldn't expect any less from Chris Jericho. No, definitely not. Knowing his, uh, his all his exploits in the professional business, this is right up his alley. Oh, yeah. And so it was definitely cool to see him there. Now, next up, you know, saying, you know, Chris Jericho getting in and out, this match was definitely not in and out. No. Because this was, of course, Kazuchika Okada versus Marty Skrull. And in my opinion, this match for me personally stole the show for me. It did for me too. Uh, this is a match where, you know, you hear those chants fight forever. Mm-hmm. This this was it. Yeah, and they actually, you know, behind the scenes here, they actually went 12 minutes longer than they were actually supposed to. Yeah. And I guess production tried to reach out to the referee or whoever it be, you know, to try and say, okay, you know, time to go home, guys. You know, and I guess that, that message didn't get relayed or whatever, but the match still turned out really, really well. And I mean, for... Okada being a bit of a bigger guy and Marty being a bit of a smaller guy, it didn't take away from the match at all. It, no, it didn't. It it, it, just, it looked like these two guys had rehearsed this a million times. That's how well they were together, you know. And you know, one of the more kind of interesting moves 
it's kind of in the professional wrestling business right now. And only till just kind of recently I've investigated to see how it's done, where Marty does this thing and some of the guys have tried to mm-hmm. copy him. You know, to, to do the break, looks like he's breaking the fingers and he actually gets the sound. Yeah. It's been investigating. I know, I've, I've figured out how it's actually done. You know, see if some of our fans can maybe kind of figure it out too. Maybe that's even something that you guys can message us or put on a Facebook post or something. Yeah. How does Marty do the breaking finger trick or gimmick or however you want to call it how does he make that sound how does like he, make the he sound? has broken their fingers it's very it looks very convincing and it sounds really convincing as oh well. yeah so it's very cool it's part of his uh his character part of his gimmick and he does it so well and these two guys just incredible again yep this could have been <laughs> this could have been the main event yeah 100 it could have been and all yeah. these matches could could have been so you know nothing negative to say about that they went a little bit long which kind of slightly kind of took away me possibly from the main event which we'll get to timing wise but it is what it is so of course that main event now we had a six-man tag team match and like i said in the previous episode i am not a fan of the six-man tag team match especially the way (laughs) wwe does them yes but thankfully this wasn't done in wwe and they did the right way we had the Golden Elite, which is the Young Bucks and Kotobushi against Rey Mysterio, Rey Phoenix, and a very impressive Bandito. Yeah. Like, this was... Yeah. yeah he like, was the unsung hero of that match. He did extremely well. Considering who he's in there with, with Mysterio and Phoenix, he did very, very, very well. He needs to be praised for his work in that match. The only thing that I think I would have liked to have seen is that maybe for one night only mm-hmm. they had given uh bandito a, a an honorary name um because you've got ray mysterio you've got ray phoenix <laughs> true, i yeah. think it would have been great had there been a ray bandito cool. for the one night we could have had the triple rays yeah but you really saw in this match you know, six guys working together to pull out the match, and yeah, you know, with the unboxing them, you're gonna in Mysterio, you're gonna see a lot of high spots. That, that, that that's that's their style, but you yeah. just you see lots of action happening, and not just a couple of guys working and everybody else taking a nap, taking a rest, because that's the, the usual kind of WWE approach. This is all six guys working together, and in a fairly limited time frame, because this match was supposed to be longer, but they still managed to to get it all in there. And you know, what a cool way to end the night off. That was probably the the best way that I think that they could have. Yep. It was just amazing to see that a world's title match was not the uh, main event. Mm-hmm. That the ROH title was not the main yep. event. That it was actually just nothing on the line. Mm-hmm. Just six guys yep. who know what they're doing and know how to work and know how to put on a show for the people going out there and doing just that, putting on an amazing show. And again, I mentioned this last week as well, that, you know, that really speaks to Cody and his personality, you know, being the promoter of this match, being in a match with Nichols for the NWA world title and to still say to your, to your, your partners, your friends, now you guys get to have the the, the go home match to the main event, you know. I'll I'll take a back seat to this. It was still a very very cool moment, but he was like so generous and just saying, "No, you guys get that that finishing moment." Yeah, that's a true testament to, let's say how Cody was raised. Dusty would be proud. Yes, he would be proud of this whole thing and how it was pulled off. And I will say that 
this isn't the last time that we're going to see this. This is the start of something. Like Cody said in the sound clip, that this is real change happening in the professional wrestling business. If the other promotions, and namely, you know, that 500-pound girl that's always in the room, WWE, if they don't look at this and take something away from it, then I won't say that WWE is in trouble of being surpassed by these guys, but they risk losing a large number of the fans that are going to look at this and go, okay, here's our choices. Let's go watch Cody and Young Bucks put another show and they give us what we want as opposed to WWE where we don't get what we want or we're always kind of complaining and we don't like what we're getting, right? That's essentially what it's kind of coming down to. You're right. You're right. I mean, I, I can't even elaborate on that more. You've done it perfectly. You're right. right. And it's becoming, again, the norm. We're getting these other promotions. They're, they're giving the fans what they want. It's like they're, they're capitalizing on the fact that some of these other companies are not and really kind of catering to that audience. And it's it definitely, like Cody said, this is a change in the business. And it's going to be so interesting to see where it goes from here because really the sky's the limit. 100% it is. And like Joe says, uh, we're pretty sure that this is not going to be the last time that we are seeing this. Um, Cody coming out and putting on an amazing show, showing us that professional wrestling is still alive in the world today, especially when we see 10,000 tickets sold in 30 <laughs> minutes. Right. Just amazingly done. The entire show, the production of everything was was spot on. Now, they had a couple of hiccups, whatever. It happens. Even WWE has had those hiccups happen to them as well. Oh, yeah. So to see this going on and to know that there is good quality professional wrestling that is still live today in the world is amazing and when this happens again, I am all in for it. Now, to end off, going along with that, we'll be all in for it. Where would you want All In 2 to happen? Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. That is an excellent choice. My pick, I'm going to be a toss-up. I'm going to say I would want it to be, this is the jealous wrestling fan of me, I would want it to be in, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Or... I'm going to go off in a different direction. I would say have it over in a market. I think that would do really well. London, England. Yeah, that that could work as well. Um, yeah, I, I got I got no nothing. I can't say no. I can't say no. It's an emerging market. And so I think either of those would be cool. Obviously, in Canada, obviously, you know, that'd be very cool for us. And, you know, given that uh, Canada has a huge wrestling fan base, and of course, over in England now with it uh, rising and so many promotions doing well, even WWE recognizing this and starting there as well. So oh, yeah. I think either place, but at the end of the day, no matter where they choose to do this a second time, it's going to be good. And, you know, Hopefully it'll you know it'll live up to the expectations that they've set or the that they set up for the first one, you know, and just hopefully that there it doesn't. I'll leave it at that because I, it's it'll it'll be good when they do it a second time. Yes, <laughs> when they do it the second time, it one hundred percent is going to be a, just as amazing as this one. Yep, and I will say I think every year. 
Yep, once I think a, so. It's going to be once a, a once-a-year event. That's yep. what I'm going to say right now. <laughs> because coming up next, we have something special for you folks. We have an interview with Mr. Studtacular Bryson Scott. All right, we'll take a short break here, and we'll be right back. Big Joe of thegorillaposition.com and the Roar Network here with a very important message. If you're hearing this right now, this prime piece of real estate can be yours. That's right. Your product, service, show, or whatever you need to bring attention to can be done right here on this very podcast or any of our shows here on the Roar Network. But that's not all. A host of other services can also be yours. Communications, news releases, video editing and production, any number of public relations and marketing services are available for the asking. Contact us at thegorillaposition1 at gmail.com today to find out how we can help you grow your audience, your booking, your attendance, and your business. Welcome, my name is the Alpha Female, and you're listening to Turnbuckle Talk with Joe and Carl. Throw up your rock fist if you're feeling it. What's up, guys? This is the standard Dusty Gold here. We are going to set the standard in Canada, in the U.S., all over the world. Let's do this together. Let's raise the bar, set it high, crush that goal. You're listening to the J&K Podcast. Stay tuned. Hi guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel here back on the JNK podcast. Guys, we are back and we have brought for you another installment of the J&K podcast interview series. Yes, we have Mr. Studtacular, the current Texas Wrestling Association North American heavyweight champion, Brayson Scott. Welcome. What's up, guys? How's it going? So heavyweight champion, right? Yeah, heavyweight at one eighty five. Watching some of your work before having you on here, I, I got to say that uh, you know, and that ties so well into in the way you approach uh, your gimmick and the way you work in the ring. Playing that small man off the big man, you do it probably better than I've seen most do it out there. Oh, thank you, thank you. That's like, I mean, I grew up in Virginia. I grew up wrestling in Virginia. That's where I started, and back then it was it was a big man's game, like. In like 2007, 2008, when I was training, it was a big man's game still. Yeah, there are guys like Phil Brown and Preston Quinn and Damian Wayne, Sean Denny. All those guys, they were bigger than me. Mm-hmm. So I had to get used to working that style. That's the style I was brought up in, and so that's that's what I'm most comfortable in. That's I think that's the most fun. <laughs> nice. At 185 pounds, I think anybody really in the wrestling business, short of maybe uh, Rey Mysterio, yeah. Um, yeah. is, you know, kind of that, that bigger guy. I mean, even like with uh, the E, the big E there, I mean, they've got a whole section for guys that are a little bit smaller. And you're a little bit smaller than those guys even. But, I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, definitely, you make it work from the stuff that we've seen, the stuff that we've, we've been able to watch on YouTube. And, I mean, guys, we're going to have, you know, links to uh, Bryson's stuff yep. out there, and you guys can go and find him and check him out on YouTube because 
the stuff that he's been doing has been just amazing. Yeah, specifically uh, a match with uh, with Death Row, and uh, oh. you know, for, for previously for War Machine and Ring of Honor, that is one of the more entertaining matches I've watched in a little while. I mean, just uh, to see a guy of his size up against a guy like, and to, to actually make it work and not come off as hokey or stupid or ridiculous. Well done, I gotta say. And I'm thankful that he gave you two freebies, not yeah, just right? one, but he gave you two freebies <laughs> in that match. Yeah, nice. Yeah, two of them still didn't work. Yeah, but I tried. <laughs> so to, to kind of get one of the more traditional kind of questions out of the way here, but it's going to lead uh, I think something interesting here. Your journey to getting to professional wrestling. Uh, tell us a little bit about it because it is somewhat unique with your former experience in the military, right? Yeah. Well. I actually was around wrestling growing up as a kid. My dad was actually an indie wrestler in like South Carolina, North Carolina area. So I grew up around it. Um, my first bump was like when I was like seven or eight years old. Wow. And um, Susan Tex Green's barn in Columbia, South Carolina. It was pretty cool because now, now she's in like the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame and stuff like that. She's like back when it was the WWWF, she beat the fabulous Moolah for the – uh, women's title and like wow. Vince Senior had to like pay her to get it back. It's pretty, pretty. She's pretty shoot legit. Wow. But um, and then like two, it was like 2006, 2007. I was getting out of high school and stuff like that, and boom, there it was. A local promotion in Virginia talking about a training school. Mm-hmm. Started to call him. It was one o'clock in the morning. I was like, better not call right now. <laughs> Called the next morning, eight o'clock that night. I was training. So since then, I've been, well, a little bit on the grind. Of course, in 2010, I joined the military. Um, 2011, I went off to Iraq, spent 10 months there. And actually coming back from Iraq, six days after I got back from Iraq, I wrestled again. Wow. And um, I got out of the military in 2016. And ever since then, I've been trying to wrestle full time as much as possible. Now, what would you say? Because uh, you know, in kind of setting up for uh, to have you on here today, you, you know, you said that um, you have had uh, experiences with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, what would you say to other you know wrestlers getting into the business, or you know, anyone who's interested in wrestling that has dealt with uh, with this issue, and how you know have you used you know, from what I can see, you know, using wrestling as kind of a uh, somewhat like therapy dealing with that uh, issue. Yeah, um, like 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 I was telling you with like PTSD and like the documentary that I showed you guys as well. I'm not sure if you got to take a look at that, but um, it's called Valhalla Club. It's me and two other veterans that um use professional wrestling or MMA to cope with our PTSD. Um, it's gotten great exposure from Sports Illustrated to Rolling Stones, Telemundo, Vice Sports, but um, it definitely. The wrestling definitely helps because, you know, my, my real name's John. John went through all that stuff. Mm-hmm. John was the one who had the rocket shot at him, was sh- almost shot at by a sniper, not Bryson Scott. So when I'm Bryson Scott, I'm somebody totally different. I could put that past in the past, and I could just have that new life for that 30 minutes hour however long i'm in front of that crowd Mm -hmm. i mean it just it helps create a i mean i guess i I guess some psychiatrists would probably call it multiple personality disorder but i mean (laughs) i love it i mean it's just 
I like to be able to put that person aside and be somebody else and like somebody I'm totally not. I'm really, well, some people might say I'm a little bit cocky, but I'm not, I'm really not. <laughs> but yeah, but awesome that, uh, you know, you get to use, you know, you know, as wrestling fans and observers, you know, and with us uh, doing a podcast about wrestling, you know, we get to kind of, you know, from a similar, you know, similar kind of thing, but from a different perspective, you know, we get to kind of live out our fantasy as fans, seeing people like yourself doing things that, uh, you know, physically should be impossible. And then, you know, for, and then from your aspect, you get to actually do in the ring, you know, do it in the ring and, you know, make us believe and you know, like you said, to kind of, it's almost like a, like a release kind of from reality. Definitely. Definitely. I like, it's cool. Cause even my kid, my kids go to shows with me cause my wife's a worker too. Mm-hmm. So like we just, my kids, they, they're their own little act when we go to shows. Like, they have their – we have people on Facebook all the time tell us that, oh, we're such fans of your kids, not even us anymore. You know? <laughs> my kids are f- four and three, and they're, they're already stealing all my shine. Wow, they're they're getting over with the crowd too. That's pretty cool that uh, you get to do that. Uh, and you get to – it's a kind of a family-oriented thing for you too. That is awesome. So then the next question is, you know, you had you had your first bump at, you know, like seven or eight years old there. Uh, when are the kids going to get their first bump? Oh, boy. oh, they're already taking their first nice. ones. Like, <laughs> uh, I, my son, like he's try, he's in this rolling phase right now. He's like three. He's got these beautiful front rolls. Now he's trying to flip with it and he's already <laughs> taking his first bump with it. I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome. My my daughter's already throwing hurricane ranas and stuff and tilt the worlds. It's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you've actually had a chance. You know, I've been uh, kind of curious to to talk to you about this. You, you've had some WWE experience. Now you had, you had a chance to work Rich Swan and TJ Perkins in the same night. There. Now, what was your experience? Your WWE experience. Let's just put it that way. Uh, it was it was surreal. I mean that 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 weekend was the first time I had ever gotten a call. Mm-hmm. So and it was like two days before my birthday when I actually wow. got the call. Or no, well my birthday was July sixth, and the first day for me to be there was like the eighth or something like that. It was a couple of days after my birthday, so it was pretty cool. Hmm. And um. And they actually wanted us there the Saturday before the pay-per-view for some other taping stuff. But I already had an indie booking. So I had to make my indie booking because, thankfully, they were both in Dallas. Oh, nice. So I make my indie booking. I do my – I make sure I'm first match there, get done with that, get to the back, shower, get in a three-piece suit and a haul <laughs> and to get there by 8 o'clock. And I made it in time. We were there till like, 4 o'clock in the morning taping. Got done with that, and then I ended up – uh, being on Great Balls of Fire as like a little background guy mm-hmm. um, during the whole ambulance scene, and then Monday we didn't do anything. It was still cool, you know. You get to see a lot of people that you've always seen growing up, you know. And I've been wrestling a while now, and you know, people are like, "Don't be a mark when you're there. Don't be a mark." But you still look at people, and you're, you're like in awe. You're like, I've I've really push myself that far that I'm actually in the same building with these people yeah. and I'm they invited me to be a talent here so I mean that's what it was more of a mark out moment for myself I was marking out more for me being there that my work's finally paying off 
Yeah, I, so, I was going to say, like, was it just kind of like a, you're just there kind of chilling, or do you have like that fangirl moment of like, oh my God, it's John Cena, or something like that? No. <laughs> right, like, so. I mean, you see people and you're like, oh, cool. And then, like, some people you might have worked with on the indies a couple times. Like, I was on a show with Joe before, mm-hmm. and um, Mickey and my wife were real good friends back in the day, so they keep in touch a little bit. Um, so a couple of people knew me. That was cool. I did a seminar with Matt Hardy um, before he came, him and Jeff came back. So that was cool. He remembered me. We talked for a good bit. I mean, but I mean, I hate to, it. Sounds like I'm probably name dropping right now, but I mean, it's just it's cool that people are starting to actually recognize me and stuff like that, knowing that I'm I'm actually putting in the work and it's paying off. Well, speaking of Matt Hardy, you got to work a seminar with him. And uh, what uh, would you say, you know, you know, for you know, up and coming wrestlers or you know, guys just looking to just improve all around as a, as a pro wrestler? How um, important are those seminars? Um, I, I love them. I love them. You learn different things from so many different people. Um, I did. A, I've done evolve seminars. Um, I've I've done like legend seminars with like Bushwhacker Luke and nice. like Ron Simmons and like Sir Mo. They're great. All of them. Matt Seidel, I mean, got to work with Matt Riddle, you know. That was probably mm. the, the, one of the cooler ones because he was more the – his was more of a shoot fighter style, and I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Now, talking about people like Matt Seidel, he, he's another one of those, uh, you know, on the smaller side guys there. Um, how – did it really feel being you know on like 205 live and 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 getting that and the experience of actually being in the ring with not one but two of WWE 205 live's biggest stars oh it was great and then i mean like it was surreal cuz like you look at them on tv all the time or something and you're just like man we do some of the same moves and stuff like that. And then you're there with them and it's like, holy cow, they know exactly, you know, they're just, they take care of everybody there. You know, they, um, they make sure everybody's taken care of with that. Make sure everybody, they make sure everybody looks strong or not strong, but like they belong. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a concern that, uh, you know, I've always had is, you know, when you see these, uh, I don't, I, I hate the word indie, indie. I hate that word. Yeah. But when you see the independent person who is coming into a WWE ring and doing a, whether it's a spot or doing a show or doing a match or doing whatever with, you know, the more established on the roster people, um, it's, it's always been a concern for me. Does, you know, do they take care of you? Do they, you know, kind of talk through things with you before, or do you kind of just, you know, take a look at each other's matches and kind of go, you know what, we kind of do the same thing. Let's not do that. Let's do this. Let's, you know, however, right. Like how do you guys really go about and approach that? Is it more in the back or do you guys more just kind of go out there and on the fly in the ring? Yeah. Um, to be honest, before, before the actual match, I hadn't stepped foot in the, in the ring. But before the match with Rich Swan, I hadn't even touched the WWE ring. Okay. So that that was my first time touching that ring. It was, it was, it was, it was sketchy, you know, because I 
never not used to that you know mm-hmm. but it was it was cool because i got i got to learn it i got to adapt quick and work on my feet which i think doing something like that makes um makes me a lot better performer mm-hmm. um if i can adapt that quick and learn that style because i don't usually wrestle you know wwe tv style you know no. i wrestle my own style so yeah now but when i go on there and be able to do that I think it was fun. It was cool. When it comes to that style that you've got there, um, how how difficult was it for you to go from like a 16 by 16 or an 18 by 18 to a WWE? What are they using now? Is it 20 or 22? Um, 22. 20, oh, 20 by 20. 20 by 20. So yeah. did you find difficulty going from the smaller independent show rings to the WWE ring? Most of the indie shows now are using the 18 by 18, so it's not that much of a difference. Um, okay. Actually, where I hold the belt at, that's actually a 20 by 20 nice. measured out just like a WWE ring. So um, it's, I mean, but the ropes are a lot different. You know, the <laughs> real rope, they're, they're real tight. Yeah. You know, I've been on some indie shows with real ropes, but they're not that tight. Yeah. But yeah. There's definitely there for the springboards and stuff like that. <laughs> nice. Uh, now, with WWE, I mean, we can't go without asking. Any interaction with Vince and uh, the rest of the upper management there? Um. Yeah. The The first night there, I got to meet Vince, and he came up and shook our hand and said, thank you for coming out. And it was just right? like, wow. First, <laughs> first day on the job. And I, first day here, and I'm getting to meet the boss. And then after after my um, after the matches with Rich and TJ, uh, Shane was in the back and nice. in the gorilla position as I came through, and he gave me the little nod of approval, which was which was cool. Very cool. I mean, you, you just like I said, you know, at the top of the uh, the show here, that um, you know, just you work that you'd be perfect for two hundred five live. So I'm hoping that. Uh, you know, as you kind of get, uh, we're out there, and now that you, you've got your foot in the door there, it'd be nice to see you as a regular 205 Live. i gotta, I got to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I, there's nothing more than I'm pushing for right now. Awesome. Um, we, got some, we got some cool people that just moved here to San Antonio that are, we're, we're, the training scene down here in San Antonio is crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of the wrestlers that are down here is crazy. There's a lot of, crazy talent just in san antonio alone but dallas too the the both right now are like the hot bit in houston mm-hmm. can't forget houston with booker t's row down there but <laughs> those three are like the hotbeds in texas right now putting out talent it's yeah. crazy well speaking with uh, hot talent and hot shows here this last weekend Probably the one, if not one of the biggest events in, I know Carl Heath's term in India or independent wrestling happened all in at the Sphere Center, over 10,000 people. In your opinion, uh, Bryson, what's the impact of this show on the professional wrestling business? Uh, I mean, I hope it, I hope it just shows like, you know, cause there's so many different talent from so many different promotions, independent promotions, you know, I hope that it shows more promoters. Hey, if we work together, you know, we, we stop worrying about, oh, let me run this day and you run that day. Work together. You know, mm-hmm. one person will run this day, one person will run the next day. Y'all could each use each other's talent, you know. Work together and I mean, anybody can do anything. Yeah. All you got to do is all you gotta do is go all in, you know. Put <laughs> your maximum effort. Put your maximum effort in to whatever you believe in 
something's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And I think that the, the key when it comes to that too is to come out of the perspective that, you know, we don't need to have this line of thought to where we need to be WWE at their own game. Cause clearly, I mean, that's not going to happen. It just, you know, kind of going about it your own way, going all in, so to speak, you know, is uh, an approach that works just fine. And they, they proved it that night that, you know, we can do our own thing and it can be successful. Oh, yeah. And, and what's great was it was the first time ever trying it. Exactly, so. right? Sold out in 30 minutes without even, uh, we had, we knew one match on the card when uh, they sold out. Yep. Right? So. And, and now, and now that was their first time ever doing it. So now all those bugs that they had that first time, now that they can go and fix those ones, and next time, who's to say it's not going to be even better? Yeah, you know. Now you know you hold the the title down in uh, in Texas. Now, where uh, do you you branch out? To, you know, to the East Coast at all, or uh, have you ever yeah. thought about coming yeah. up to Canada at all? Go to where is that? Canada. Canada? No, I want to. I want, want to. to. <laughs> um, I've traveled. Like I said, I've originally started wrestling in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, I travel back there maybe once or twice a year. Uh, wrestle back there for Vanguard Championship Wrestling. Um, I've been down to Florida, um, to Pensacola, and to Sweetwater in Miami. I travel out to Louisiana a good bit, all throughout Texas. Um, somebody actually just hit me up about Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm. And um, I've got some talk about Colorado, California. Um, Oklahoma. Uh, I forget where else. There's a there's a good list that somebody just hit me up with that it looks like Stentacular is about to go nationwide. Well, with us being part of the of, you know the Rural America, the GorillaPosition dot com, you know our editor in chief, uh, our boss, essentially Ryan Bowman has some connections with Impact Wrestling, and of course we do with CWE up here in Canada. So we, we might be able to facilitate uh, you coming up to Canada because I would love to see you work in person. That that would be totally awesome. I'm right. definitely down for that. All right, cool. All right, so I think to, a good way to kind of end off here is you know plug your social media and then you know let the fans know where can they see Mister Studtacular Bryson Scott perform next. The next time I will be performing, I will be in Pearsall, Texas, this coming Saturday, Saturday the eighth. Also on the card, Rodney Mack, Jazz, and Simply Luscious. <laughs> Jazz. Um, nice jazz. Yes. Um, all my social media, you can search me under Mr. Spectacular, Bryson Scott, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Give me a follow. I'll follow you back. Likes, all that. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I've had a blast, and hopefully we can talk some more. Yep, absolutely. Definitely. We are so happy that you were able to take this little bit of time out for us today. Um you're the next installment in our interview series. And I mean, we're just continuing with them here. We got a few more lined up for all of you coming up in the next couple of weeks. We got, I'm not going to drop any names right now, but if you guys make sure that you go and follow us on our social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at JK podcasts. Yes. That's with an S at the end. JK podcasts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you guys will be able to see the next person coming up Mm -hmm. in our installment of the interview series and hopefully soon we'll be able to show you guys again a little bit more of bryson yes absolutely and of course to listen to the podcast you can find us of course on podbean 
on Google Play, through the podcast app, on iTunes, YouTube, and then all those other podcatchers. And, of course, as part of the Road Network on the GorillaPosition.com. All right, Carl. I think it was a good way to end things off, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Ciao. This is Ryan Bowman, editor-in-chief of the GorillaPosition.com, and you're listening to the J&K Podcast. Podcast.